0: Today I want to preach a message entitled, The Greatest Statement of Faith in the Bible. This is, of course, my opinion as to this particular one. There might be other preachers and other people who read the Bible and say, wait a minute, I think this is the great, greatest statement of faith, or something else that somebody else said, certainly the greatest statement of faith. But today I want to present to you what I believe is really the greatest statement of faith in all of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, and I trust that you do, I pray that you would uh, always bring your Bible to church. Uh, Turn with me to Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. We Certainly, when we think about those who have gone through great difficult times and the encouragement that we get out of what they have been through, Uh, We can think of people who said mighty and powerful, powerful things. Uh, I think of Job. I think of what he said when he confessed to his friends as they were. We kind of loosely use that term, Job's comforters. We certainly, there's an element of sarcasm in the word comforter when we talk about that. But Job said these words, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's an amazing, an amazing statement of faith that even though God allows me to, to die and, and to be killed, and Job was saying in, in what he is going through, if God allows me to die, I'm still going to trust him. And he even goes as far as to say, if it comes by his hand, or at least seemingly by his hand, I'm still going to trust him. That certainly is a powerful statement of faith. The three Hebrew young men, when they stared at the fiery king in a fiery furnace, they said these words, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. Uh, We've jumped on that text from time to time in the past, and we've been encouraged by their statement of faith. Jeremiah stated this with great confidence, nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. Certainly, that is a powerful statement of faith, especially given the time that Jeremiah ministered. The whole nation around him was crumbling. The city of Jerusalem was being ransacked. The people were being carted away into a foreign land, into Babylon for 70 years of captivity. And yet, in the middle of all that, he says, nothing is too difficult for God. Peter When he said boldly of Jesus, he looked at Jesus and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He professed that just a few hours before Jesus was to go to the cross. And certainly in their context, those carry a great deal of meaning and application for our lives. And in both Old and New Testaments, we find mighty and great statements of faith throughout all of Scripture. But I want to read something to you this morning that I believe, to me at least, and in my opinion, is the greatest statement in all of Scripture, and we're going to find out why in just a few moments. Starting at verse 39, the Bible says this. Actually, let me just jump back up. Let's go up to verse 32, and I want to read just down through to 34, and then we'll jump back down to 39. The Bible says, Two other men, both criminals were also let out with him, that is Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't, do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now jump down to verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. I'm going to just stop right there for a moment. It's an amazing thing that throughout 2,000 years of history, not much has changed in human nature that has rejected God. Because there are many who lie on their deathbeds and they they lie there suffering and in pain and And maybe they go through such great sicknesses or illnesses and they are about to die. And in all of that, you would think that somehow there would be a moment of tenderness in their hearts that would confess that, oh God, if, you know, even if they hadn't believed in God, that somehow they would, they would cry out to him and say, if you're there, I need you now, I need you. But this man is there crucified alongside of Jesus and with his other criminal friend. And there they are dying a most excruciating death. And the Bible says that he is hurling insults at Jesus. It's an amazing thing, brothers and sisters, the bitterness of heart and the bitterness that life can often bring into a person's heart to the point where they have rejected God so much that they will on their deathbed continue to reject him and go against him. That's not what we're going to focus on, even though we could talk a great deal about what could be going on in his heart and mind. I want to focus today on the other criminal that died next to Jesus. And before he died, he had just the briefest of conversations. And let's continue to read what that conversation was like. But the other criminal, verse 40, rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. He understood in that moment what Paul reveals a little bit later on in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. He said, we're getting what we deserve. Verse 42 says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me. Paradise. I want you to back up just a moment. Verse 42 it says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The New King James translates the name of Jesus, it actually translates it to his title, Lord. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The name Jesus actually means deliverer or salvation. One who would deliver. So either way, however, whatever translation has that just so, and both, I believe, are quite right. Jesus was Lord and is Lord. But either way, if you choose Jesus, he was saying, Deliverer, rescue me. Deliverer, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we're going to find out why. I believe this is the most important and powerful statement of faith in all of Scripture. There are three elements of hope found in this passage that I want us to grab onto today. The first is revelation. Secondly, redemption. And thirdly, reward. Three elements of hope that I believe you and I can grab onto. Revelation, redemption and reward let's look at the revelation verse 42 again it says then he said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom i've already mentioned the new king james says lord remember me when you come into your kingdom the revelation of faith of this criminal can be summed up in two words lord and kingdom jesus and kingdom Whatever the case might be, whatever translation you're looking at, it can be summed up in two words. There was within the heart of this criminal who was hanging on the cross a revelation that came to his spirit similar to what came to Peter a few hours earlier when he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe with all of my heart, brothers and sisters, this criminal here hanging on the cross is now revealing something so wonderful and powerful about the man that he is being crucified next to, and it is this, that he is no ordinary man, he is no ordinary individual, and he has a kingdom that is still yet to come. Amazing, because Jesus is dying on the cross. But he understood somehow, some way, that there was something different about Jesus. In fact, he even comes to the aid of Jesus, not that Jesus needed any aid at that point, but he defends him when, when the, other, the other criminal began to hurl insults at him. And, and he was making fun of me. You know, he was going along with the crowd. The crowd was saying, if you're the, you're the Christ, then come down from the cross. You know, the criminal was saying, yeah, you know what? If you're the Christ, why don't you save us? Get us down from here. But it wasn't about a physical salvation. It was about a spiritual salvation that Jesus was on that cross in the first place. Brothers and sisters, for all that there is in the world, that we get hung up on political movements and we get hung up on the social aspect of life and getting through life, and I believe that those are important things. But in the end, Scripture reveals to us that man has one severe, serious problem, and it is this, that he is a sinner. In need of salvation. That is the most important human need. The revelation of faith shows us that he was Lord. To me, in my opinion, this is the greatest statement of faith. Picture the scene with me. This man has been nailed to the cross with two other men. Here he was, bleeding and in excruci- excruciating pain as was Jesus and the other criminal. This other criminal rebuked this man who spoke out against Jesus and, and began to insult him. He spoke out against him. In that moment, he rebukes him, saying that they were only getting what they really deserve. But also, about this for a minute, Jesus was also bleeding and almost unrecognizable from what he was going through. Remember that the Bible tells us that he had been flogged with a a cat of nine tails. Uh, 39 stripes were laid across his back. This was no ordinary weapon. This was something that could mutilate flesh. It could, in in fact, inflict so much pain, but it could change the very appearance. The Bible lets us know that they hit Jesus. They beat him. They literally, with closed fists, the Greek seems to point out that they didn't just slap Jesus around, but literally they closed their fists and they punched him out while he was blindfolded. The Bible says they plucked out his beard, Uh, you know, shaving every now and then, as I do. For some of you, you say, Pastor, we see you on Tuesday nights. You don't shave quite, enough, quite often enough. You might be right about that. But, you know, every now and then, and I, I have switched from the electric razor because the, to uh, just, you know, the old-fashioned way, the shaving cream, the whole deal. But every now and then, that electric razor will not cut. It pulls one tiny little whisker out of my beard, and oh, the pain. Oh, the pain. It hurts. Imagine that. One little whisker out of my beard hurts me. Imagine what they did to Jesus. They took his beard and they plucked it. They didn't just pull it. They plucked it out. They grabbed it and pulled it out. Jesus was there on the cross in an almost unrecognizable fashion, and yet this one, this one criminal who is being crucified looks at Jesus and says something that is so absolutely powerful and important. He looks at Jesus, somebody who is a mass of blood and flesh as he's dying on the cross, and says, Lord, imagine that. Jesus didn't look like a Lord He didn't look like somebody who had any authority or who had any power to do anything. He didn't look as though somehow he could be somebody of great importance. He looked like any other criminal dying on a Roman cross. He looked like somebody in that moment who was just a mass of blood and flesh with the last bit of life eking out of him. And yet he says to Jesus, Lord. Lord. Or he calls him by his name, Jesus. But the great significance and meaning there is you are the deliverer. Lord, he says. Lord. He didn't look like a Lord. But not only that, he called Jesus Lord when everyone around the cross and even his partner in crime was mocking and making fun of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Here he is. He's dying on the cross too. He knows he's about to die. Everybody down on the ground is making fun of Jesus. In fact, they're mocking him and saying, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you just come down from the cross? Prove it. Show us how big you are. Show us how powerful you are. You're the son of God. You could just... Come right down from the cross. The other thief or the other criminal jumps on the bandwagon. Oh, yeah, yeah, come on, Jesus. Why don't you save yourself and save us while you're at it? But one criminal, realizing he's getting what he deserves, does something so important and he cries out for mercy. He cries out for mercy when everybody else around the cross is standing there hurling insults. Brothers and sisters, it shows me something so vitally important in the world that we are living in that we must stand when everybody else might be sitting down. When everybody else is bowing to whatever idols of the world that they want to bow to, it takes you and I to be strong in the midst of, of a world that that bows down to whatever fashionable thing comes along the way, whatever fad comes along the way, whatever it is that you know the, the political, politically correct buzzword is. Is, and they jump on that bandwagon and they say, you know, let's just, let's just go along with the crowd. Let's just follow along. Look, it's easy to follow. It's tough to be a leader. It's tough to stand alone and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I will not bow to the idols of the world. I'm going to stand for righteousness and stand for truth. It takes guts to do that. This man was, was being crucified on the cross. And as he's being crucified on the cross, he turns to Jesus and says, Lord, when everyone around the cross was saying, why don't you bring yourself down? They were making fun. Brothers and sisters, you and I live in a society. We live in an age where your Christianity is looked at with disdain. You may not be mistreated, but you may get the cold shoulder. Because of what you profess, said, "Well, you know, that's hard to handle. Yes, it is, but I want you to know something. None of us, as the writer of Hebrews says, has resisted unto blood." In other words, we haven't had it so bad that we have had to give our lives for our faith. We haven't had it so bad that that's the way it is. We might have tough times. We might have struggles. We might have people who sort of disown us or only come in every now and then to to our lives. But I'm here to let you know, brothers and sisters, it takes a man and a woman of great faith who will look at a dying Savior and say, Lord, you are the Lord. When everybody else around is saying, no, he wasn't the Lord. We're making fun of the fact that he said he was the Lord. Now, there is another element to this statement of faith, and it is this, kingdom. First of all, Jesus didn't look like he could deliver anybody. He didn't look like a Lord, like he was the Lord over everything. He's dying on the cross. He's, he's literally bleeding and dying on the cross. And this man says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, your kingdom, a kingdom. He's going to have a kingdom. They had talked to Jesus about his kingdom. They had questioned him. Come on, Lord. You know, what? And they believed that his kingdom was going to be the kingdom. Anybody who believed he was The Messiah, they only believed that he was the political Messiah, that he was going to rescue them from the Roman rule. He was going to deliver them out of that Roman oppression. They didn't want to be subservient to the Romans, they wanted to be free. But here he's talking about a different kingdom. Here, this criminal hanging on the cross is confessing that Jesus, though he is also dying and sure death is going to come, he's still going to have a kingdom. Imagine that you are dying next to somebody and you're saying, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." You you look over and you know he's in pain too. He's dying too. What kingdom? You know, if you follow along with most of the thought process today, once you die, that's it. No, it's not. Listen, when you die, you will still live. You will live for eternity. You have been created with an eternal soul that will live on through eternity. This man... Somehow came to terms with that and understood, listen, there is something different about this man and about his kingdom. And I want to be in that kingdom. Though we're both going to die, there's something that's going to live on today. There's something that's going to move forward today. And it is an eternal kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom that will live throughout all of eternity. And he said, I got to get in on that one. Because the Lord knows nothing can help me now. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Brothers and sisters, we need to understand the kingdom of God is something that we are all a part of when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But, you know, we need to notice these things about the kingdom that this criminal saw, and it was this. It was the absolute right of Jesus to give that kingdom to those who call on him. John chapter 1, turn over there if you would. John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, he, that is Jesus, Gave the right to become children of God. Now, I have heard from time to time, as I'm sure you have. We're all children of God. Be careful with that one. Because no, we're not. We all were created in His image. and After His likeness. But we are not all children of God. Children of God is a position that He bestows upon those who believe. You are a child of God if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you have received Him as your Savior. But He understood it was the absolute right of Jesus to give that kingdom to those who call on Him. Second of all, it was a kingdom where He had no right to be. So he doesn't seek a position. Here's what he seeks Lord, remember me. That's it. He doesn't say, Lord, you know what? When you come into your kingdom, he wasn't like, you know, the, the, the two disciples came up, Lord, uh, the, he, they, they got their mother involved. And you know, when you get mom involved, mom is going to go to bat for her sons, and for her daughters. And they, mom, you know, when we come into his kingdom, We'd like to be on his right and in his left. Go tell him that. All right, here comes mama. Excuse me, Jesus. My sons, you think when, you know, your kingdom is all set up, you know, and everything, they could sit on your right and your left? That would be great. That would be a great honor. You see, this man didn't do what those disciples did. He, He didn't seek a position. He just said, remember me. Which also indicates that somehow there was going to be a kingdom where, where there was a full consciousness of who you were before. How could Jesus remember him if he ceased to exist? No, he will live on. He will continue to live on, but he says, remember me. You see, one of the dangers of being a Christian for a long period of time is that there is a possibility that we somehow take our relationship with Christ for granted. None of us, brothers and sisters, deserve to be a part of this kingdom. And you know what the most wonderful thing about this particular picture is? There wasn't anything this guy could do to earn his salvation. For those who think that somehow I'm going to be saved by what I do, that's false. You're not saved by what you do. You are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift. It's not something you can do, not something that you can earn. There wasn't anything this thief, you know, I call him a thief. He was more than a thief. He was dying For being a criminal. He had obviously done great things, things that were were very, very bad for him to warrant execution uh, and and to die by crucifixion. And so, this particular criminal, he's up there and he's hanging on the cross and and he's dying. There wasn't anything that he could do. He couldn't come down from the cross and go back and somehow fix all the stuff that he had messed up. He couldn't do it, couldn't save himself, couldn't earn his salvation. This leads us to the redemption. Verse 43, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me, not just in some strange, you know, mysterious place, some strange weirdness. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, I know what my view of paradise is. I know what my wife's view of paradise is. We sort of share the same idea. There is this little particular place that we like to go to get a slice of pizza every now and then, and it's, a, it's on the wall. There's a picture of a place in Italy. And the family that runs the place, they're from Italy, and this picture is there. And every time we look at that picture, we say, want to be there. Or you just show me, you know, a Caribbean island, and I, I, I want to be there. For me, that's paradise. For us, that would be just a little slice of paradise. Now, we know we can't go there and just hang out there for the rest of our lives. We're not independently wealthy. We're independently poor. <laughs> but we can dream. You know, we see that picture on the wall. We just think that, you know, the water is like, it's not even blue. It's green, you know. It's that tropical southern Mediterranean, uh, you know, where it's just hot. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful beach. And you just, ah, that's the place to be, the paradise. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And for those who somehow think that heaven is not going to be a place that you want to be, that it's just this boring place. I don't know how many teenagers, I don't want, you know, boring, boring. Oh, no, 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 it's paradise. That's the word of Jesus. That's how he used the word he used to describe what it would be like and will be like to be with him. Today, two things that I want you to look at that God is concerned about. One is an element of time and one is a person. Today is the element of time. All through scripture, we see that today is the day of salvation. Over and over again in the book of Hebrews, the writer writes and he uses the word today. Today, if you will hear his voice and don't harden your hearts, don't do that, then there can be blessing in your life. You will have eternal life. And in that moment, Jesus was dying on the cross, and it just so happened to be today. He said, Today you're gonna to be with me. Why? Because that was the day that he was going to die on the cross for the sins, all the bad stuff of that criminal. We don't know what he did. We don't know how bad he was. We don't know all the kinds of things. But listen, if you've got some war stories about the past, you know that he died for your sins. He died to wipe the slate clean. And I'm here to let you know that when the past is gone and he throws it away, brothers and sisters, it is a new clean slate for you. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today was the day of salvation. Today was the day of redemption. Today, it was the moment that Jesus was giving his life as a ransom for many. That that idea, the idea here is that he was going to buy back what the enemy had stolen, what the enemy had taken, what the enemy had robbed. He was about to buy it back, which is the whole point of redemption. That's what it means. You redeem, you buy something back. And that's what he was doing. And on that day, the enemy lost one hardened criminal. To the kingdom of God. To the kingdom of heaven and brothers and sisters. It is a beautiful picture about the saving grace. That this man couldn't do anything. But on that day he found his way into paradise. Why? Because Jesus declared it. And he received it. Second Corinthians you don't need to turn there. I need to hurry. 6 and verse 2 says I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I don't know how many young people say, you know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll wait until I'm older. You know, by then, you have made so many bad decisions and so many stupid young decisions at that moment that many of you don't even think you can make your way back. I want young people, as young as you might be here today, I realize we've got some of the younger ones here today, but please listen to me. Please be encouraged in this that when you decide to do something in life and whatever it is that you're deciding to do, always do it in the light of what the Bible teaches you. Always do it in the light of what God wants for your life and what it is that He wants you to do because there are too many people who when they get older they say, I wish I had done it the way mom and dad told me to. I wish I had listened to the Bible. I wish I had listened when the Bible told me to move in a particular way and to walk in a particular way and to give my all to him. I wish I had done it that way. You don't have to live with that regret, but instead you can have the powerful testimony that said I never went down the alley of alcoholism. I never went down the alley of drug addiction. I never went down the alley of having multiple marriages. I never went down those roads. It didn't go that way because of his grace, because I listened. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait until you're older. Give your all to him now. But there is something else that God is concerned with in this, and it is today you will be with me in paradise. It's not paradise that God is worried about or concerned about. That's easy for him. It is you that he has his mind on. It's you that he has his heart set upon. It's you that he cares about. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Who is he speaking to? He was speaking to this criminal. This man who had made a mess out of his life. This man who had made all kinds of bad decisions and who was there suffering for those bad decisions. He was there reaping the reward of the result of that bad decision or all the things that he had done. And yet Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be. You see, brothers and sisters, God is concerned with you. He is concerned about you today. No, don't somehow think that he's concerned about somebody else. He forgot about me. He didn't forget about you. He knows all about you. The psalmist David says, he knows when I sit down and when I stand up. He knows my goings out and my coming in. And he knows all of those things. Imagine mundane things that you and I don't even think about. He knows about all of that. Why? Because he is infinitely concerned about you. He loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. This man couldn't do anything, as we mentioned before, to earn redemption. He had been nailed to the cross. He didn't have any time to be holy. There was no time for this guy to somehow, you know, sort of, you know, clean up his act. He couldn't clean up his act. He had no time for that. All he had in that moment was faith that somehow the man that was being crucified next to him could do something for him that he couldn't do for himself. And that was cleanse him of guilt of the past. He could cleanse him of the sin of the past. And he could give him a hope and a future because he also understood, I may be dying on the cross today, but you know what? I'm still going to live on somewhere. And that where is what I'm most concerned about. I want you to know that Jesus is so infinitely concerned about you and where you spend eternity. There was an officer patrolling on duty one night in northern England some years ago when he heard this sobbing, just this quivering sob. Turning in the direction that it came from, he he saw in the shadows a little boy sitting on a doorstep Tears rolling down the cheeks. The little boy just whimpered, I'm lost. I'm lost. Take me home. The policeman began naming street after street, trying to remember where he lived. When that failed, he repeated the names of shops and hotels in the area, but all without success. Then he remembered in the center of the city was a well-known church with a large white cross towering high above the surrounding landscape. He pointed to it and said, Do you live anywhere near that? The boy's face immediately brightened. Yes. Take me to the cross. I can find my way home from there. (laughs) Take me to the cross. I can find my way home from there. If you've lost your way like this little boy, I want to point you to the cross today. Because what God is most concerned about today is you. If somehow you've been trying to work for your salvation, somehow trying to earn it from God, you need to know today that it's not going to be earned on your behalf. It already has been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for your sin so that you could be free from that sin. And He died. So So that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. Take me to the cross. I can find my way home from there. It leads me finally to the reward. Verse 43 says, today you will be with me in paradise. Redemption became a reward. But the criminal got what he never expected. He got paradise. Imagine that. You go to the cross knowing you've, done, you've committed so many sins. You deserve to be executed as he was. And yet, on that particular day, this man got paradise for reward. Can't you hear just for a moment the cries of the self-righteous? Those ones who've tried to be good. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve paradise there, criminal man. You don't deserve Anything that Jesus is promising, you don't deserve it. But the self-righteous are the same ones who forget that it is not by works lest any man can boast, but it is the gift of God. Brothers and sisters, it is by grace that we are saved. Jesus might just turn to those who are self-righteous and say, Your righteousness is as filthy rags before me." before the day was over, that criminal would be in a place more beautiful than he could have ever imagined. I I look at that picture of uh, uh, in, in Italy, that picture that's on the wall and I, I think that's just a gorgeous, gorgeous place. I would love to go and to be there and look at that and experience that and yet I realize that it it, it all it pales in comparison to what God has prepared. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what he has preva- prepared for those who love him. My friends, you need to know today that he has you on his mind and he's got something wonderful in store for those who will believe in him not only that but the bible lets us know and here's the greatest part of reward reward is not paradise oh we think about that you know we 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 talk about the the scripture that says in my father's house are many mansions and whoo I got a mansion We we talk about the streets of gold. We read in the book of Revelation how beautiful that city will be one day that will come down from God that he has created and prepared for those who love him. We think that's that's the place I want to be. That's the place I want to live. But I want you to know that all of that, all of that pales by comparison to this. You will be with me. I want you to know I don't care what kind of place it is. It doesn't matter what the place looks like, as long as He is there as long as the one who died for your sins and my sins is there, that, my friends, is what is most important. We need to recognize and believe with all of our hearts that it's not just going to be because it's a beautiful place that he has prepared for those who love him, but it is that he will be there. That's what makes paradise. That what, that's what makes it heaven. It is heaven because he will be present. Imagine that Jesus lived a sinless life, and that sinless life in that moment, in just a couple of hours, was going to ebb out of him. Life, he was going to die on the cross. Now, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, the resurrection was about to come. But putting that aside, in that moment, Jesus was dying on the cross, and yet. As he, that sinless life, turns to this sinful life and says, you're going to be with me. Which almost indicates to me, I don't know if this, this happened this way. But it almost indicates to me in that moment that somehow in the portals of heaven, Jesus and this criminal walked hand in hand before the Father. Said, here's the first one that I've covered with my blood. Oh, I don't know if it happened that way. I don't know how it happened, but I know this, that he said in that moment, you're going to be with Me, Brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, in the end, it's not about all the beauty of heaven. It is about Jesus. It is about seeing him face to face. And the Bible says and it records for us, the the, the apostle John writes that we don't know what we will be, but we know we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. Is Brothers and sisters, I've got to tell you today that when it all comes down to it and when it all comes down to the end, whether you go by way of the grave or Jesus comes back for you and takes us to be with him, I want you to know that in the end it is about seeing him face to face. You, you have, you know, this little bit of time on, in life here on earth. And we have this short amount of time that we get to enjoy things. And there are things that, that to, are to be enjoyed. There are wonderful things that take place. But in the end, I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. I want to see him face to face in that moment. Because by faith we have declared, Lord, remember us when you come into your kingdom. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to let you know today that by faith you are already a part of that kingdom. If you have believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you say, but the world is being run by wicked men and being run. Well, let's be careful. Let's be careful about what we say because these, believe it or not, governments throughout the world have been placed in our lives for a purpose. If we had no government, we would have anarchy. We would have godlessness. We would have mayhem all over the place. And yet, in all of this, brothers and sisters, by faith, we have entered into a new kingdom. Let's stand to our feet right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the musicians to come right now. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this question very very respectfully of everyone who is here but also recognizing that we need to reverence the presence of the lord in this moment because you know what the lord is in this place he is here to save you from sin if you have never accepted christ as your savior today i want to ask you today would you like to receive him as lord Would you like to receive him as Lord and as Savior in your life? The Bible says today or now is the day of salvation. Look, don't put it off. You're here today. Maybe it is that you're kind of toying with the idea, but you're not quite sure yet. I want to tell you, stop toying anymore. Today is the day of salvation. Today is not the day of playing around with the idea. Today is not the day of just somehow thinking you're going to just wait a little bit longer. Don't wait. Don't wait. I encourage you today, give your life to him. That thief, that criminal looked at Jesus. Somebody who was dying, who was emaciated. Dying on the cross and looked at him and said, Lord, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The greatest statement of faith in all of scripture Maybe it is that you're here today and you're without Christ. If you are without Christ and you need to accept him as Lord and Savior, you know that. Then I want you to do something bold right now. Slip up your hand and then just take it down. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Others in this building. Yes. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's begin to pray right now.